0: With your hosts, Gene Steinberg and David Piede.
1: We get letters that sometimes cause shows to happen. Like what we was it? Sure. Like that infamous show we did with the fellow who wrote or edited or
2: something, The Alien Interview. Oh, he wrote it. Yes, it Lawrence Spencer wrote it. We know he wrote it that's a foregone conclusion also by the way we get a, a bunch of coverage in jim mosley's latest saucer schmear.
1: yeah as a matter of fact jim got a copy of the book and i was amazed you know sometimes jim mentions my name briefly or the power cast briefly with a paragraph or two this time you understand jim does not have internet connection he doesn't have a personal computer so i printed out the entire book for him and sent it to him at my expense All right. And? So he decided to honor me for the expense I underwent, and he wrote, what, a page and a half on it?
2: I think it's like probably a total of a page. Maybe maybe it is a page and a half. Yeah. I think it's about accurate. Right. A pretty good write-up on what the situation was, though I don't think he was clued into the fact that our listeners figured out that it was a veiled little work uh, referencing Scientology. So you should probably have a talk with Mosley and and kind of fill him in on that because I don't think that was covered.
1: No. Now, it's very interesting, though. Also, I wrote to Lawrence Spencer after that happened. I said, can you tell us about your beliefs with regard to Scientology? (laughs) Yeah. you You never heard back from him, right? No. Big surprise. Why are they afraid? If they're so proud, Of Scientology. I mean, Tom Cruise is proud of Scientology. Why are some of these people who are lesser figures in that
2: movement afraid to admit the truth? Well, let's take into account here, Gene, that the entire cult has a very heavy indoctrination of its members. So, Who knows what kind of weird stuff uh, Spencer has put through? A bunch of other stuff surfaced about him after the fact that he was involved in some shady Scientology stuff. Uh, We won't go into that now because frankly, I don't want to have Scientology calling me in the middle of the night and sending me weird stuff in the mail. Uh, Uh, Also, it's a matter of public record, so let's just leave it at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's nothing paranormal about those guys, so as a result, I don't really see any reason to talk about them on here. Another thing I just want to mention, Gene. There's been some feedback on the forums, late regarding the idea that people like when we start to go off into a political direction and we start to incorporate some political content into the show. And I want to remind our listeners that uh, we've made a very strong effort to keep politics, the political scene, out of this show. I realize that a lot of other shows that talk about paranormal stuff do throw in the political conspiracy component. And while there is a place for that kind of information on our forums... I think we've made a good decision, a really useful decision in keeping that content away from the paracast. And and mind you, if someday we do go to a five day a week format, if someone's paying us to do this and we have to broaden the scope of the show, at that point, I think it would make a lot of sense to have maybe a day of five days devoted to political content. And and as I think you know and some of the other audience members have discovered. I actually do have a show, a podcast show, completely unrelated to what we're doing here that does get into some very heavy political topics, but I have really not, certainly never talked about it on the Paracast. I don't. Really promoted on our forums. I think there was one thread I created saying, Oh, if you're interested in my political thoughts, here's where you go. I mean, but I think to our listeners, they know kind of where your political
1: leanings yeah. lie. There's nothing a secret about that. In any case, we got another letter from a woman named Lisa Lindley, who's written several self-published books, which seem to refer to the fact that she is quote, a haunted survivor of a demonic haunting, right?
2: And let's qualify this uh, for whatever reasons, we did not read her books ahead of time. We actually requested copies of them, and we were told that because it's self-published, there'd be an expense to her, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I didn't have money laying around right now to go buy her stuff. I really didn't feel the motivation
1: to do that. The self-publishing could... outfit she deals with, unfortunately, does not provide The book author with complimentary copies or cheap copies. You basically have them set up the template for publishing this thing. It's all on demand. When she sells a copy, they print it, they ship it. There's Mm -hmm. nothing in the sense of getting extra copies for yourself to promote,
2: unfortunately. So, so we're bringing her on without having read real hard details about her experiences. I just want the audience to know that ahead of time. Sight unseen. Pretty much. We and have we'll no what idea I'm... what's
1: going to happen here. This could be a wonderful, fascinating discussion. We might get some very interesting insights, or it
2: could be, well. A very short interview. Yeah. It could be either one. And I have to state right up, ahead, right up front, and we'll be talking with her about this, but the photographs on her website claiming to be paranormal stuff are the fairly classic orbs, which means they're, you know, nonsense. But we won't pass judgment on them. Let's talk to her and find out what she's experienced. Coming up next
0: on the Paracast. i a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. Hi, this is Timothy Green Beckley, otherwise known as Mr. UFO, reporting live for the Conspiracy Journal. And we have a special offer to the listeners of the Paracast. Want to receive our publications for free? Conspiracy Journal, and Bizarre Bizarre, sent to you via snail mail. And all you have to do is email me at UFO at WebTV.net. That's M-R-U-F-O at WebTV.net, and we'll send you two of the most exciting publications. But we do need your actual address, because these are physical publications, and you'll enjoy all the latest articles by some of the leading researchers in the field, as well as up-to-date information on the latest book and videos and it's all for free or drop us a line Mr. UFO at webtv.net.
2: gene and i love to hear from our listeners if you'd like to share your thoughts with us send your messages to news at theparacast.com that's news at theparacast.com and don't forget to check out our website at theparacast.com, where you can download past episodes of the show for free and visit our dynamic discussion forums. Also, please patronize our sponsors. Tell them that you've heard their ads on the Paracast. They'll appreciate it, and we will too. Hi, this is Don Ecker, and you are tuned
3: in to the Paracast with Gene Steinberg and David Biedny. Hey, let me tell you what, you're going to hear stuff here that you probably won't hear
2: anywhere else. Hear
0: that, George Snorri?
2: So, Lisa, give us an idea for um, how you became involved in the topic that you've written about. Um, what are the experiences that you've had? Let's start at the very beginning. How did these things start happening to you?
3: Well, in 2003, we bought our first home. Um, We had lived in a mobile home prior to actually owning a real house and found this place for the bargain basement price. Didn't know too much on the history of the home. Everything fit just great. And when we moved in, shortly after we had bought it, we were staying on the property in a camper. We started to have paranormal, what we thought were paranormal occurrences, my daughter who at the time, said a little girl named Linda, about um, eight or nine years old, was coming out of her closet at night wanting to play dolls with her. And that was kind of where it all started. Um, back in 2003, before we bought the house, we had no history of any sort of um, haunting that was going on. We had a normal life. Everything was good. And when we moved into that house, things just dramatically changed. So that's kind of how we got started, um, I guess, experiencing what we did that led up to current events.
1: Now Lisa before you moved into this house, did you have any interest whatever in the paranormal? Did you listen to radio shows? Did you read books or magazine articles on the subject?
3: Yes, actually. um, I tell people, too, which makes us all, I guess, more ironic in a way. We really loved Halloween. Um, My husband had actually um, ran a couple of haunted house productions, actually designed them and ran them. We had the parties that everyone wanted to come to every year. We liked the scare factor, but we weren't inviting it in by doing Ouija boards or having seances. We weren't trying to conjure this up. It was just the thing everybody did. And when When we moved into our actual first house, it was like everything that was fantasy became reality if you want to put it that way. It became very real at that point, but we thought that it was just very innocent ghost activity that we had at that point in time. Things really changed after that year, that first year.
2: How did these things start to manifest besides your daughter saying that she had this little girl coming out of the closet? Uh, What were the first physical manifestations?
3: It was a little bit of a combination of things. Um, She had also seen a military man in uniform one night on our steps during a thunderstorm at the house. She was laying on the couch, had woken up, and he was standing there on the steps staring at her pointing a gun. He didn't say anything, but he had a very stern look on his face. And we also had other people that would come to the house just to visit, and things would happen to them where they would either get impressions of something without us even saying anything, feelings of extreme anxiety, like they had to leave, they were being personally um, targeted, I guess you could say. Um, And then I often had feelings of knowing that something was there that shouldn't have been, like they were sharing your space with you. And I would get impressions sometimes in our basement of certain I guess, a certain type of character. Like there was a uh, a former owner, they think, that lived there at one point in time. And he was kind of um, a scruffy man with overalls and a white T-shirt. And I was just kind of picking up on this, not looking for it. But you, you can often sense when you're not comfortable, you feel like some, somebody or something is staring at you. And these were all very innocent kind of things. But when it got to the point that my children were fighting with, with my husband about staying in their rooms at night, my son, who was three and a half at the time, he had seen a, a dark man standing over his bed one night. He had also seen um, an orb, or I guess if you want to call it an orb, it was like a bright uh, blue ball of light that was coming towards him. Um, he was three and a half, so it was very hard for him to verbally say what this was, but he knew something was there. You just often got the feeling that you weren't alone, and that's kind of innocent type of behavior, if you want to put it that way. Um, so at that point in the first half, it wasn't enough to run you out where you felt that you were being threatened. I guess that's a good way to put it.
2: You said that those feelings were happening down in the basement?
3: Oh, no, they were. Um, I would get it throughout the entire house. But when I would pick up on the scruffy farmer type man, I guess the impression I was getting of this, it was all of the time. I mean, you just knew you weren't alone. That that area of the house just seemed to be a hotbed of activity. But the upstairs as well in both of our homes have been where you feel it, I guess, more so than on the main floor where everyone is you know, all the time in your common area. But um, it wasn't. It wasn't really interacting. It was just there. I guess that's the best way to put it.
1: Lisa, these houses are they relatively new? Quite old? Do they have a history that you've been able to explore?
3: Um, Unfortunately, yes. They have been very old, and we didn't target to look for a house like this. I guess at the very beginning it was just the right place at the right time the price was good but it needed a lot of work and my husband and I were always into the the fixer upper kind of thing just because we didn't want to live beyond our means and we thought you know where can we find this house with all this acreage in the first one you know for this price and we thought, well, we'll make this work. But when we got there to look at it, it had kind of a, a I don't know, just an, a feeling that was very odd. I picked up on something that I wasn't comfortable with. And I asked the realtor on the second floor, it was like a story and a half farmhouse with an attic that they had converted into two bedrooms. And I, I stopped her in the hallway and I said, you know, this was kind of a strange question to ask, but can you tell me anything? Did somebody die here? And I was just picking up on this kind of reeking of death kind of feeling, but the house was very outdated, it needed a lot of work, it had dark paneling in it, and so I thought, well, maybe it just needs a lot of work, so that's why it looks scary. I mean, we were not looking for any kind of activity, I mean, it was just the house we were looking at. And she had said that um, there was a lady that lived there, she had died, but didn't go into detail. Well, later that evening, we took a copy of the contract, just to kind of look it over, and it said on the disclosure part, seller died in or on premises, perhaps by his or her own hand. And my husband looked at me and he said, do you know what that means? And I said, not exactly, because I wasn't familiar with this. And he said it sounded like someone had killed himself in the house or on the property. So that started a new series of events. Can we buy a house knowing something had happened there? But it, it just was a really cute little house. I thought we could make this work. So um, yeah, Let me ask was, you a question, Noah, yeah.
1: before we proceed any further. Okay. Knowing this kind of history and your interest in the paranormal etc you know if I was in that kind of situation I would say you know what I'm not gonna bother maybe this is a nice house and everything else but I don't know that I want to get into something that has a questionable history
3: well it crossed my mind I will be completely honest but we really wanted a house and the price was right and we tried to weigh that out and we kept you know psychologically saying to ourselves well people die in houses every day it doesn't mean it's going to be haunted I mean it totally was on my mind that's why I had called the police department trying to find out more information found out a little bit too much I guess after the fact would be a good way to put it but there also was you know another sign that her 14 year old son was doing a few things in the house that you know we weren't looking for problems we just thought well we'll just overlook that and I mean up in the upstairs bedroom which became my daughter's there was was an evil-looking poster up on the ceiling that had this dog panther thing with its ear half chewed off and its eyes bulging out of its head, and I thought, well, that doesn't look very good, but I just assumed maybe the kid was into some heavy metal music or something, and then later I had found a pentagram that was drawn somewhere in the room. It was either on the windowsill or the wall somewhere, and I just remember painting over it that we were very innocent. I mean, we didn't know what all this meant. I just thought, okay, maybe this kid's into some bad stuff. We really wanted the house. Let's try to make this work. And so we were very unsuspecting, I guess you could put it that way. We Mm -hmm. didn't know how this was going to go. I mean, until you lived through it and really i guess kind of put it all together it, it didn't really at the time deter us enough from trying to make that move but i did i really looked into it quite a bit and i thought okay well we can do this but sometimes you don't find everything out until after the fact so that's kind of what happened with house number one
2: well you say you got in touch with the police so what did they tell you specifically it happened in this house
3: well, they wouldn't um, offer up a whole lot of information. I was working during the day, so I was very limited as to, you know, what I could do. But I said, I, I just was wondering if you could please be very honest. We're looking at purchasing this house, gave the address and all that. And I said, you know, can you kind of tell me what happened there? You know, was there a suicide? Was there a gun involved? And this was just six months after it happened. So it was pretty fresh to, uh, you know, their, their reports and all this. And all he would tell me was, yes, there someone was killed, and, yes, there was a gun involved but they would not go into detail and then later which got very very weird after we bought the house about I guess it was maybe four or five months after we moved in I got a very strange phone call and we had a anonymous number and it was the lady's daughter that had lived there and I thought maybe she's looking for closure on something I, I, I don't know what it was she needed but it was very strange that she had gotten our phone number because it wasn't published and she called me and she said hi this is so and so and you know identified who she was and she said I was just calling to find out if you guys are okay. And I thought, well, this is really weird. Why would she be Hmm. calling to do this? And then that sparked a two-hour conversation with a few things. And I thought, seriously, maybe she just needed closure. Maybe she needed to come back up there and see what we were doing to the house because we were renovating. it, It was just very strange, but she offered up about two hours' worth of information about all these things that were going on, said her brother was into, the satanic stuff. She wasn't sure what exactly, but her mom didn't like it. She was putting religious paraphernalia outside of his door. So I think he may have opened the doorway is what I honestly think happened. I mean, we will never know what books he might have been into or what, but when you put all this information together with, like, things that the neighbors volunteered up after the fact as we were moving out, what this kid was into, the daughter who knew firsthand of what happened in the house, her mom actually shot herself. I mean, she had a lot of issues going on, but just to know too much information after, it, it just... It makes too much sense now about how this all kind of lined up over the period of the two years that we lived there.
1: Just parenthetically, did you ever ask this person, how did you get my phone number?
3: remember saying something to her about it, but to this day, I cannot even remember what she told me, how she got it, if it was from the real estate agent or what happened. But there are all kinds of ways that even if you have a non-published number that people can get that information. But I honestly, sitting here today, I don't even remember what she told me. It was like five years ago. So I I don't know. But it was very, very odd. I thought, who are you and why are you calling me You know, to find out if we're okay? What's What's going on here? So she had a lot of, um, I guess, unresolved issues. But it was a very interesting conversation I had with her. It's just wish we would have known this before, you know, before did, we bought the house.
2: Lisa, in the conversation, did she indicate to you that during the time that they were living in the house, her, the brother, the mother, and, and I guess whatever other family members there were, did she indicate that there was anything paranormal going on in the house at that time that made totally. her call you?
3: I, I don't think that's why she called me necessarily, but mm-hmm. yeah, she totally volunteered. I mean, things that hadn't happened to us yet had been happening to them. And she just talked about, she would hear, you know, an old woman singing, you know, singing to her, trying to talk to her. her. It was just kind of odd things, hearing footsteps going up and down the stairs. Nobody was there. Just kind of things like that, that weren't super scary, I guess, in some ways. But I just wonder if some of that contributed to her mother's mental state because she She had, you know, a variety of mental illness and things going on. But if it's not a positive home life to begin with, and that on top of it, if her son was, you know, calling this stuff in, I mean, we will never know. All I know is, you know, this is the evidence I had, this is what she told me. And I mean it's just kind of you can't call it coincidental when you're putting all these pieces together and you're looking at it saying, Okay, this is making a little too much sense based on, you know, reliable sources and what I know. But yeah, they had things going on in the house which did not make me feel any better at that point time.
1: Did it ever occur to you to say, you know what, let's try to get out of this place and move elsewhere. Why do we need to put up with this garbage?
3: Well, at that time we were kind of I guess, well, we were in a loan for one thing, and the market was not really great. I mean, it's kind of started going downhill. We had just moved in, that was part of it. You know, having the loan, going through all this again, we wanted to make it work. Then on top of that, my husband, at that point, was a major skeptic, and we always said, up until last year, 2007, we would never let this run us out of our home. We're in control of this. We didn't believe, I guess, totally in how dangerous this was. After all, I mean, it wasn't doing things that would make you want to run out of your home. It was just, okay, this was happening. This was happening. Call your girlfriend for a little support here. So it wasn't bad enough to really leave. We just thought, well, we'll live with it and make the best of it. And it's our house. You know, you're claiming your home. You're saying, this is my house. You are not going to do this to me. You're not welcome. Leave, you know, do all this. But at the same time, it was really frightening. I mean, it was and in fighting with the kids all the time to stay in their rooms when I wouldn't even do it. I mean, it was just a constant battle. But fortunately, I guess God intervened because I lost my job and two thousand and five and we had to move and we had purchased this house that we're in now, the second one, when things were going very well, we knew the bigger place. We had a baby on the way. My husband found, you know, another old historic house. The one the first one was dated to eighteen sixty four and I don't know exactly, you know, how old this one is per se, but it was one of the first houses built. Really, really neat. And so we just said, Well, we're gonna, you know, move out. My neighbor actually bought the house and um he you know, people have asked
1: your neighbor bought the house, did you tell your neighbor wait a minute or did you just take the money and run?
3: Well, not exactly, but not about the taking the money and run. It kind of wasn't a, a, a lot of money to run with. You know, we tried to ask some of the neighbors questions because it was like a family owned property before the former owner. And I, how do you approach your neighbor with us? You don't want them to think you're totally crazy, even though you have it going on. And one of their family members lived in the house. And I think at one point in time, my husband tried to ask her, you know, did you guys have anything strange going on when you lived there? And of course they were elderly and they denied it. You know, even if they did, you would never know. But we didn't really volunteer that up at the point in time when we left. It was just one of those things, you know, money was cranking down and we had to kind of decide, you know, we need to get out of this while we still can. You know, there wasn't enough to really prove it was kind of hearsay. Okay, you know, how do you prove your house is haunted? I mean, now we have a lot of information that we could definitely say, look, this has happened, this has happened. But at that point, I mean, most people would just say, oh, you're making this up, you know, and and he was another elderly neighbor. So he probably wasn't even open. To accepting that, and I guess why volunteer it if you don't have to, if it's not you know mm-hmm. something you have to bring up. And right now, I think it's being used for rental property anyway. I don't think you know it's a permanent thing for anybody, but that's kind of what happened with that. So the neighbor bought it, and then we just went ahead and moved in in this place since we already had it. Okay, now this- the
1: other property, the property that you vacated, just sold. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of anybody else having any experiences? since then?
3: Well, we've still been kind of non-published for a variety of reasons, and I don't know if someone tried to contact us if they would be able to do that or not, but as far as I know, it's just renters in there, and no one has attempted to say anything about it. Um, even though I wrote about our story to try to help people and tell them about, you know, how to deal with this kind of thing. Um, I'm always pretty much undercover. I don't try to make a big deal about it and, you know, draw people to where we're at. So it would make it more challenging. But um we haven't had anybody, you know, try to contact us regarding that. But you know, it was the, the family before us. I think honestly, I mean not to get on them about it, but I think really they were the ones that caused this big problem. They invited it and in, her brother did and who knows what else has went on since we left but mm. now that we've had it in two houses you know it's always a question did it follow us is it something different you know it's right. just really hard to say in in some ways
1: hey neighbors the easiest online meeting service go to meeting just got easier If you haven't tried GoToMeeting, now's the time. Because the new version of GoToMeeting has fully integrated voice over IP. With this new total audio feature, you have more audio options by being able to conference through a phone or the web, save time, save money, and be more efficient. Hold an online meeting with GoToMeeting. Try GoToMeeting free for 30 days. Visit GoToMeeting.com slash podcasts. That's GoToMeeting.com slash podcasts for a free trial.
0: Hi, this is Brad Steiger, and I'm in the Paracast with Gene Steiberg and David Vietme. Join us. As we explore new dimensions of thought.
2: We are
1: talking to Lisa Lindley and she's also author of a book called Never Alone. There's actually a series of books or two books with the title Never Alone. Could you tell us how you came to write those books? Then you have some subsequent books after that maybe give us a little bit about the writing history
3: well I I wasn't a published author ever before any of this happened it was just kind of something I felt a calling to do well between 2003 and 2007 I had kept a log of information which is good for anyone that's going through unexplained activity like what I mean is if you have something happen to you get a calendar and write down specifics about what has happened you know the time the date what happened just so that you have a record for yourself and Mm -hmm. after you know, so many years with us and sharing that with my girlfriends, they said, you ought to write a book about this someday. It was kind of a joke among girlfriends. And I thought, well, I have enough information to do it, but there has to be more to it. And I just remember feeling panicked when my daughter came to me that first time and not knowing where to look for help, what to do, who's reputable to contact. And so I kind of took it on as a personal project to talk about our story, but also offer some help to people going through a haunting with children because it's been very, very hard. And then, Three days after the first book came out, the family's hope for peace while living with the paranormal, because we are hoping for peace eventually here, uh, my daughter, who's now 14, was thrown across the room into some furniture, and we had a big... Eye-opening experience with spiritual and with discovering that this was demonic in fact it wasn't your simple little ghost and it never was and my husband had a very eye-opening experience a big awakening with all this and so he said we need to tell the rest of our story it's very important we need to tell people what has happened and how we're trying to overcome this so it's more of a kind of positive thing but it's also very scary because it's real what happened and that's how that came along and I wasn't going to write anymore after that and it just kind of kept you know building And then I decided to try to write a children's book to to help with the kids out there in the world that are afraid. And and we call on angels quite a bit. Our family does believe in them. So it's kind of a book about angels and children and, and helping them to deal with fear issues. And then probably about a couple months ago, I was sleeping, woke up at about four in the morning and I felt this very strong pull to write about demons and what all this has been. And I didn't want to, I was really afraid of it. And and something was saying, you need to tell the truth. You need to let people know that real life is not what Hollywood is. You know, everything that they say, it's not always the truth. And so I wrote this book called Demons Exposed and it's all about this big spiritual warfare battle. It tells the truth about what these demons are, how people can be misled and the truth about what our family knows it's just from our perspective but i don't have plans to write another book if people were asking it just kind of comes up and i just start doing it but i think i'm going to try to sit back for a while on any more projects it's pretty exhausting
1: without asking specific information Uh about your address which we know is personal in what part of the country are you located
3: we're just outside of the st louis area so we're in the, the heart of the midwest in missouri
2: now lisa we're gathering here that your your background your religious background Is part of what has given you a framework for what's going on, right? Could you tell us a little bit about your religious background, please?
3: Sure. Um, my husband was raised Catholic and kind of does not exactly practice uh, Catholicism. He didn't believe everything about it. And mm-hmm. my parents actually visited a variety of churches when we were growing up. So I had a faith that I kept to myself, but we were not a practicing family at this. You know, when this all happened to us last year, right. and you know, we weren't praying as a family or doing those things that would help for a defensive mechanism when you're dealing with evil. And you know, we're pretty. I guess I'll going family very good but at this point when this happened it wasn't enough to fight off what was happening to us and when we actually fled our home it it got very very strange the things that were happening and they were actually events or things that had happened in the Bible that people were pointing out look demons are real it says it right here this is what this is and what was happening to my daughter was very unreal so the first night that we sat there when this attack came out of the middle of nowhere I mean I'm like what do we do I'm trying to call people that I trusted and and um, we went ahead and got out of Bible and we're starting to read. They say, you know, read aloud. It'll help deter this kind of thing. It didn't do a thing. And so throughout our experience that we had in house number two, that is when our family came together and really had to decide what are we going to do to fight this off. So which led us in turn to a church that we're now attending and um, just got we, we got an instant, you know, kind of thing that we had to do to deal with this. So that's kind of where our faith is. It's very strong now because we've seen what you can do to fight this off and prayer is definitely very strong, I guess in spite of what everybody's beliefs are, everybody has a different idea, but it's been working for our family, so we, we do have a good belief system now. Just I think religion is how you practice what you believe, so we're kind of um, doing what we think works.
2: Quick question about when you first moved into the first house. I want to go back to the first house for a minute, let's talk about some specifics. It was an older house. Did you guys renovate the electrical system in the house?
3: I believe that we did. Yes, my husband mm-hmm. did a lot of um, renovating, pretty much to everything in the house.
2: Okay, but you're not sure whether or not he replaced the electrical system. Is he a, a qualified electrician?
3: Um, no, he's not like a, a certified electrician, but we've right. worked on enough projects and dealt with, you know, your formal city people that you know do inspections when you're finished. But he um, he's done quite a bit of wiring, mm-hmm. so we didn't have any kind of power problems or anything that would be dismissed as you know that in in either one of the houses.
2: Yeah, I'm not really thinking about power problems per se. I'm thinking about electromagnetic fields and RF generation within the house. It's pretty well known that when you have a situation where there's questionable electrical wiring in the house, uh, mm-hmm. very often excessive electromagnetic radiation that comes off, let's say, a bad distributor box, a switch box in the house, you know, a breaker box will very often create in people a sense of sort of doom and gloom when they're near that. When you specifically mention the basement, very often that's where the the breakout box is located. And, and very, very often in those situations of going with, uh, let's say, an RF meter, you'll find a huge amount of output. And, and actually, well, that will create a sense of sort of doom and gloom when you're in that area. That's why I was just wondering about that because, you know, in trying to sort of analyze something like this to try to get to some understanding of what's going on, that would, of course, be one of the very first questions that would come up. But let's get back to the specifics of interaction. So, and, and I'm saying this because neither Gina nor I have read your book. We don't know the specifics of what was going on. Mm-hmm. And so it'd be really helpful for our audience if you lay some of that out. So you had your daughter who had seen this thing that, you know, claims have seen a little girl coming out of the, um, of the closet. This was the same daughter that saw the person with the gun when she woke up downstairs. Yes, uh huh.
3: Okay, alright. The to that, you know, I just saw something with this electrical. Sure. Sorry to get the subject, but it's important to no, no, kind of know the thing. This mm-hmm. house, the electrical was in the kitchen. It was like kind of, I think it was like a porch at one time that they had turned into part of the kitchen, and it mm-hmm. was the fuse box that had the old, you know, the, I don't know if you call them screw-in fuses, you know, the they fu- weren't like... Yeah,
2: the- yeah, the glass fuses that you put in the basement. Yeah, big I ones.
3: guess yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. And but that wasn't in the basement. So but yes, my husband yeah. replaced all that. I remember now. I just thought I'd oh. bring that up while well, it was still fresh mm-hmm. on my head. Oh, it was sure, in the kitchen sure. actually. So okay, oh. however that fits then, sorry. <laughs> sorry, to point that well, out.
2: Yeah, no, well without, uh, without actually visiting the house or having a, a diagram of it, it'd be hard to figure out whether or not that played any role in the perceptions.
3: Well, that um, whole house got torn apart, so everything was kind of bad in there, but, but anyway, back to the soldier on the stairs. <laughs>
2: yeah. She had just woken up and seen this. Mhm. What were the specifics of what happened then? So she saw, he was outside or he was inside the house? No,
3: he was inside. Um, My husband actually redid the stairwell. Like we had one of those old pie-shaped, you know, the old ones that kind of went back into the wall, went upstairs, kind of hidden behind the wall. And he had torn all that out and made a normal staircase. And there was the night of a thunderstorm. She wasn't feeling well. And I was actually at home somewhere else in the house when this happened. And she was laying on the couch and she woke up and she said, this man in military uniform with this belt buckle, that said U.S. Army on it, I mean, she's very specific, was pointing this rifle at her, and I said, well, and this was normal conversation, you know, well, what happened? What did he look like? Did he say anything? I mean, this is what people were telling me to ask her, draw a picture, and she actually drew a picture of what he looked like. She was nine, and he had on just the Army green, no camo. It was like an Army green outfit. The helmet was colored and completely solid, she said, and he had a very stern look on his face. She said he didn't say anything, but he was completely staring at me for, I don't know how many seconds she said, but long enough for her to know what was going on. And she said, then he disappeared. But it was very specific. She said he had boots on. Described everything. I said, "Well, here, draw a picture of what you saw because this is what people are telling me to make sure that you're doing." And she did. She drew the picture, and there it was. So I thought, you know, she's not making this up. I mean, she would have no reason to. She's never been exposed to any kind of scary movies. I mean, we were not people trying to put this into our kids' head. It's just mm-hmm. as sure. it was. So that's what she saw that night in inside the house in our living room.
2: Now you, you mentioned it, helmet. Mm-hmm. She, she drew the soldier with a helmet on?
3: she drew him, What well, do you want to call it helmet, hat, whatever their army hats are, yeah she did
2: well no there's so a big know. difference between a hat and a helmet, that's why I'm asking in terms of putting this in some sort of a chronological context.
3: It's uh, uh, kind of like the hard helmet, it wasn't like just a regular fabric hat, it was actually a hard shelled helmet is what she drew. Okay.
2: So I'm not a military expert but that sort of sounds to me like this makes this out to be a soldier of the 21st century, not let's say in, in contrast to a Civil War soldier, mm-hmm. right? So I'm just trying to get a sort of a, an understanding of this for our audience because you know very often we hear about in older houses things like Civil War soldiers or apparitions that look like Civil War soldiers. Well, it sounds to me, and, and that's what I'm asking. You know, you said it's not a, it wasn't a camo outfit, but it was like a green outfit. Mm-hmm. What you're describing to me sort of sounds like a World War II American uniform, with a real hard helmet, a belt mm-hmm. buckle says U.S. Army. I mean, that sounds to me like something contemporary. That it adds to the oddness of this. Yeah, go ahead.
0: Yeah,
3: well, it's really, it just kind of struck me as really. I don't know what the word is for it, but, you know, for a child to say it said U.S. Army on the belt book, I mean, who's paying that much attention to something? I would have just been scared half to death seeing this, and she's had this her whole life practically. I mean, we just realized it at that age, but now, I mean, the things she sees are very specific and she can hear things and see things that other people can't, I guess, all the time. But for her to pick up at such an early age, to me, that's young. I mean, why would you want to expose your child to something like this intentional? I don't know. but. but They just started it. I was like, wow, you know, you couldn't dismiss it as, oh, she just might have seen something. I mean, she was way too specific with what she was telling me. And for her to draw it out, I mean, that was, wow, to see it on paper, that was another story, you know. So I'm not familiar with military periods. I tried to ask my dad about it, and he wasn't sure either. But, you know, you might have a really good perception of when that time frame was. But all I know is that she definitely saw that
2: right. If it's a green uniform, it's a, it's a hard helmet. Mm-hmm. That's definitely not nineteenth century. That would be twentieth century. And again, I'm not an expert on this, but that definitely sounds like a GI uniform from the Second World War.
3: It, it very and, well and may have been. Mm-hmm. Do, do you have? Do you still have that picture she drew? I do. Um Actually, it's in with a bunch of other things that I have, but I could find it. And it's actually I put it in. I think it was the first book, but it's black and white. But I might be able to scan it into the computer if I haven't already, and maybe email it over to you if you yeah, wanted that, to see it.
2: Yeah, I'd like to. That'd be very curious. Um,
3: okay, sure. Oh, I, I still have it. I wouldn't throw away something like that. <laughs>
2: that's good. No, I, I would hope you wouldn't. Yeah, that's no. That's like a, no
3: it's very. It's an important piece to our our story. So
2: absolutely. All right. Just to get a also a kind of a bigger picture of of your family. It's yourself, mm-hmm. your husband, one daughter. How many other Wait. children?
3: We have three now. Um, Fourteen is my oldest one, and then my middle son is nine, and then I have a three-year-old daughter. Okay. She didn't come into the picture of the little one until we moved to house. Well, right before we moved to house, too.
2: Okay. So in the first house, your daughter Mm -hmm. has had these experiences. How about your son?
3: we had a paranormal team come out one night. It was kind of, I don't want to say it was a mistake, it was a learning experience because it, it kind of didn't turn out to be so positive with what happened to us. But the night after they left and claimed that everything was fine, the house was cleansed, this and that, that was the night, the next night I heard my son screaming. I put him to bed. I was outside talking to someone that was leaving our house and he said a dark man was standing over his bed staring at him. He's had a blue, I guess you want to call like a ball of light coming at him in his room at the other house um, I think he's had a lot more happen to him but he hasn't been able to verbalize so much I guess in so many words he is scared I mean it doesn't matter where we go he's just been dealing with us since he was so long from what he can remember we're trying to kind of undo some of this but mm-hmm. he's really really been affected by what has happened um, now, to our this
1: family. power and rumble group these ghostbusters whatever they are Mm-hmm. Can you identify who they are? Is this one of the national organizations, somebody you found locally or what?
3: Uh, kind of someone locally. I mean, I, I did a lot of information searching on this, and my husband was not really open to it. And we had them come out like two months after we moved in because this activity that started was pretty immediate. I mean, I could just sense something wasn't right you know, there from the beginning and tried to dismiss it. And it got to a point, I said, look, let's try to bring in somebody we think is a so-called expert. I mean, what makes one person more of an expert than someone else? But I really did research. I thought that they were everything they said they were. They brought another local team from another state, but they were kind of locally working. I mean, you know, state borders are pretty close. And so we had all these people there. They brought all the bells and whistles out. I had the kids spend the night away from the house. And I don't think, to be honest with you, they were prepared to deal with what they had encountered that night. It was more like, let's just confirm What's going on here? Let's see what we can find out. And then there was no resolution like later, you know, and I tried to contact them several times after they left and there was one video they were trying to get a copy of for us. I had requested that. I said, please, if you can get this, because some really strange things happened the night they were at the house and the guy finally said to me, you just need to get a priest out there and move. I mean, I think it honestly scared them. They weren't ready to deal with what was going on. Maybe they've
1: never seen a real one.
3: I don't think so maybe you know that was part of the problem I'm not really sure but you know it's one thing to say oh yeah I know what to do but what would have been really helpful in defense of you know paranormal investigators because I'm sure they have ways that they do things. if you don't know the answer please at least take a family that's in dire straits here and refer them to somebody else you know don't take it as an ego slashing thing just say look I don't know let me see if I can find someone to help you they just dropped us like a hot potato and it was all gone but you know what today I went on the internet, not today, literally, but, you know, went on the internet to try to find out, you know, whatever happened to them, and they are nowhere to be found. It was like their website's totally gone. They're they're finished. And the other group, I, I have no idea, but all I know is that what happened to us, you know, that night, definitely looking back, it, it, we just know, I mean, something was going on, and um, it was very frustrating, you know, to go through that. But, I'm not saying all paranormal people are bad but we just haven't contributed to going in that direction Mm -hmm. with the second house you know it wasn't positive and my husband even makes comments you know look what happened when we invited these people in so we're kind of trying to deal with things in a different way but it was a learning experience and you have to think positive you know what did I learn from this what did I take from it but yeah they're nowhere to be found that's kind of a scary thing when you think you invited these people into your home and opened yourself up for help and then it went you know a bad way so
1: Fate magazine is proud to be celebrating its 60th anniversary and its 700th issue. That's 60 years of bringing you true reports of the strange and unknown. Fate brings you the latest on all aspects of the paranormal, like angels and miracles, psychic phenomena, ghosts, UFOs, and much, much more. It's bigger and better than ever. Subscribe now by calling 1-800-728-2730 or online at www.fatemag.com. That's 1-800-728-2730 or www.fatemag.com. What are you waiting for? Your fate awaits. Airy Radio,
3: opening the door to the unknown
0: episodes of Eerie Radio directly from iTunes, or visit their website at www.eerieradio.com. You're in the Paracast with James Fender, and David P. ending. You never know it.
1: You're in the PowerCast. We're talking to Lisa Lindley. She's author of a number of books recounting the paranormal experiences she has faced in two homes. I do want to drop something here into the pile, and that is I'm not going to criticize any particular paranormal research group, this one or any other, except there's no standard out there for certifying that a paranormal research group is capable of, of researching anything or investigating anything or testing anything or ridding your home of anything. So in a sense you're getting a pig and a poke here, I think.
0: Right.
2: Yeah, there's no certification process. There's no there are no standards. This is all sort of fly by night. Now Lisa, um you've indicated that they came out, these two groups came out and it sounds like they found something that sort of freaked them out a little bit. Am I misreading right. that? Right. Right. So, so um, give us some tell us yeah. about that.
3: Please. Well, at one point uh, in the evening, pretty early on, they decided that we were going to shut off the power to the house, with the exception of, you know, a few of your appliances, and set up motion detectors and alarms and video cameras and all this kind of thing. And mm-hmm. at that time, all of the major activity seemed to have been coming from my daughter's bedroom. So we pointed the camera in that general direction, and we all went outside. So there wouldn't be any noise, you know, animals, this and that. And shortly thereafter, the the alarm went off and they said we've got something and my stomach just kind of jumped you know I was kind of excited to then kind of break out at the same time because we're only human, you know? So sure. we went back in and they went up to the top of the stairs where the, you know, the camera was set up and something very strange had happened, which I think totally took him by surprise. The, the main guy that came out, what happened was you could hear when they rewinded the tape back, you could hear our dog's collar, you know, jingling up the steps like it was following something. And then the camera had manually flipped itself off and there was like dead space it was almost like something did not want to be seen it had flipped off the camera and I don't think they had ever seen something or had something like that happen to them and then you know throughout the night they had the other team said they captured you know some shadows here and there and this and that but the thing now looking back that kind of didn't seem looking objectively at this wasn't our best Interest in some way, like maybe they didn't have our best interest at heart. We sat in the living room, it was like two in the morning, and they said, we're gonna try to make contact with the former owner. And you know, are you okay with that? And I looked at my husband, he looked at me, and he said, that's not gonna happen. And I was like, why? And he said, because, you know, Lisa has asked whatever, you know, you talk to the wall, you know, to not show itself because I didn't want to see it. I knew something was there and didn't want her making an appearance. I mean, I wouldn't be able to stay there if I was physically seeing this stuff all the time. So anyway, they went ahead and tried to, you know, do whatever it is that they do. And I thought, if somebody really had our best interest at heart, would they be trying to conjure this up? Would they be doing this and that? And so it was just a night full of, you know, things appearing on video and, and the camera shutting off. And then they found a bunch of, you know, unmarked cemeteries. They were doing some dowsing in the in the back field behind our house. It just got weirder as the night went on. It was just, especially for the videotape thing and the camera, that really made me realize, look, I know something's going on here. It just, it confirmed you know our suspicion we really didn't have one but I think everybody else was kind of skeptical because that's what they do yeah it was just a very unnerving night and they said oh it's been cleansed everything's fine and I'm taking their word for it everything's good and then the next night my you know three-and-a-half-year-old son says this dark man is standing over my bed looking at me that just really it didn't make me feel good that's a good way to put it
2: okay besides the fact the video camera got turned off Mm -hmm. are you saying they actually did capture something on video besides that
3: well, I have seen. I know everybody's opinion about what orbs are are different. You know, they're little balls of light that you can dismiss for dust or this or that. They had the camera pointed at my daughter's bedroom, and the the gentleman with the lead investigator was looking through the lens of the camera, and he said, "Wow, you should you know check this out. Look at this." And my husband looked, and he was major skeptic at that point in time. He you know he believed it, but he kind of had to see it to believe it. And he said, "I'll never forget what I saw." He was looking through the lens of the camera, and all these little balls of light were in there, but. It wasn't dust because it was pitch black and they were zipping around in very specific directions. Like these things had a mind of their own. I mean, we've actually captured them on film here at the house on a couple of occasions when we try to set up, you know, night shot and this and that. But he's like, my gosh, I can't believe what I'm seeing. And then I looked at it and I couldn't believe what I was seeing either. It wasn't, I mean, threatening terribly or scary, but it was just like very unusual, like wow, you know, naked eye wouldn't be catching this. And that wasn't scary. I think the alarm thing and the camera turning itself off and them looking at us going, we've never had this happen before, that was scary. But the other team said they definitely caught, you know, a shadow in the mirror that was in our living room. And outside they took a bunch of pictures and some things showed up on film. And so it wasn't just us. I mean, other people that are were the so-called experts were, you know, kind of surprised by some things that they had seen out there that night too. But like I said, it wasn't enough to make you want to leave your house. It was just confirmation Look, you're not alone, and we found some evidence.
2: Well, I just want to tell you, on your website, you do have some pictures of, you know, what I think you use the terminology orbs, if I'm not wrong. I could be wrong about that. I've looked at those pictures, and on the Paracast forums, I've I've linked to a piece of video that was shot in the Black Forest, and I believe in North Carolina, of some, probably the most fabulous, spectacular orb footage I've ever seen where you have these things that are definitely emanating light, they are emitting light, they are moving. In fact, one of them comes up to a security camera this guy had set up in his, in his home, and you get such an incredible up-close clear view of this thing, you can see that it's some sort of a plasma thing, It's not. It's, and, it's, and it's generating its own light. Now, in looking at the, the pictures you have up on your website that you refer to as orbs, I just want to tell you, now, I wasn't there when you shot these, so I, I don't know. But they, besides the slight difference in their shape, they are the prototypical classical photographic artifact of a digital camera typically, though it could be any camera that has the lens and the flash relatively close to one another. Where a shot is taken and the light reflects off a dust particle that is relatively close to the camera, they're, they're thereby out of focus. And it shows up and it looks pretty much exact like the orb photos you have on the website. So again, I don't know. You're not specific here on the website about whether or not these were caught inadvertently or that you were looking at them through the viewfinder and catching them. That's one level. Usually with orb photos, Lisa, what happens is people say, I was have my camera, usually, usually it's a point and click like an Instamatic camera, not a, not a digital single lens reflex camera, an SLR camera. They'll say they took a shot, they didn't see anything in the viewfinder, and when they developed the photos or when they looked at the digital shots, these things turned up. And, and that, by the way, is exactly what you would expect of something that is the, the, the result of a, of, a, of a point-and-shoot camera because unlike a digital SLR or any SLR camera, when you look through the viewfinder on a standard point-and-shoot camera, you're not seeing what's coming through the lens. You're seeing what's coming through the little viewfinder optics. So Mm -hmm. my question for you is, the camera used, I'm gonna guess this and you can tell me I'm wrong, the camera that was used to shoot these things of, these these orb photos, it's not a single lens reflex camera. It's not a camera that has a, a detachable lens, right?
3: No, no, it doesn't on these. Sorry if I sound like I'm scattered. The phone guy. Sorry, this is not going to. We have to cut this out of the interview part. The phone company is actually outside of my window working on my phone. So I hope we're not going to get cut off. I'm like, oh, they're supposed okay. to be here between <laughs> eight and twelve, and I'm trying to concentrate, and this man is like outside my window. Yeah, typical um, phone company stuff. I wonder if I gotta put a put a note out there or something. <laughs> it doesn't work on the phone right now. Um, let's see. This camera, the camera that we had was actually we had a couple different cameras that we used one of them had it was just your typical develop the film kind but then we had digital cameras that we used and the one that's on the main page for the website like on the front i just thought it would be interesting to put the picture up there since no one's been able to truly identify what this is um that was taken on a couple of different days you know in broad daylight with no uh flash and the thing that's weird i mean if it was just you know, a mistake thing, like it was a spot on the lens, it would show up in the same you know place on every picture and it was just on specific ones but in different areas of the house like one of them was up in the kitchen you know doorway another one was on a step and it just it didn't make any sense that it was a mistake and i know that it wasn't though those were taken in the second house but the attic pictures those were you know more the round balls of light but this other one was a very specific in you know shape and pattern whatever it was that's what makes it so strange you know we're not sure what that was
2: couple of questions. So on the main page, there's one picture of this orb artifact hanging above a window, a strong light source coming in. Okay. Right. So, Uh right. Okay. So now that picture, that same shape artifact shows up on multiple pictures. It's pretty much the same shape.
3: Right, it's exactly, but you know, it's weird. It had a really um specific pattern in it. It just, it was very weird. I had not seen this anywhere before. It was that, just that, very, very
2: right. Yeah, that that pattern is uh, totally familiar to me. It's the okay. pattern that you see. Yeah, it's absolutely the pattern that you see as a lens flare artifact. That that is, and, and so the reason I'm bringing this up is that it's almost the exact same shape in all the pictures. Almost exactly the same. And in a number of the pictures, it's coming when the camera, it shows up when the camera is pointed at something where there's a bunch of light coming in. Not in all the pictures, but in a bunch of them, that seems to be the case. As I said, that is something that we see quite a bit on these kinds of photographs, and that you've indicated to me it is a point-and-shoot camera. Uh, there are a number of them where it's pointed at the light, and, and I wanna just, you know, just elaborate for you that there's nothing in the photo that indicates that this element is emitting light. No, In mid-flight.
3: There was nothing that you could really say it was anything else. I mean, there was no flash. It was broad daylight in our kitchen. I mean, it, it, the first one with the yellow background, it, it's just really odd. I mean, we didn't do anything to, um, you know, try to unpurposely cause this to happen. Did you
2: see this floating in the air and then say, let's get a picture of it?
3: Um, no. You know what was really strange is we were just pointing to, uh, you know, different things. We were tearing out things in the house. I'm kind of a scrapbooking person, so I said, hey, let's take a picture before after, and so I went ahead and you know just pointed up at the stairwell or pointed at the kitchen thing, and the, there was nothing there. That's what was very strange about it. We just took the picture, and when we put them on the computer, you know, to see what was there, or what you know, what this was about. I was like, what is that? You know, it just had appeared, and then I thought, there's no way we did not buy another house like this because we hadn't even moved in. I mean, we were buying things, we started to tear things out. There it was, but it wasn't just on the kitchen photo. It was on the attic. Stairs photo and then above my my child's doorway in the bedroom. I mean, it was very, very strange, and it was different days. I mean, it wasn't like we were there shooting, come out, come out, where were you? I mean, we yes, had no sir, idea sir. this was going on here, so it was very, very strange. Yeah, so what do you exactly think that might be? I mean, have you seen anything that remotely even resembles this particular shape? Like, could you associate
2: that?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah I okay. I,
2: to me, and, and again, I wasn't there when this stuff was shot, but I am right now on your page looking at, I'm looking at, we have here this uh, the uh, entity captured in kitchen doorway during the daytime, mm-hmm. we have entity captured on attic stairs during the daytime. In both of those photos, for example, that camera is pointed at a window where there's a significant amount of light coming in. That is exactly the kind of situation where lens flare artifacts are created on the lens. So so I've absolutely seen those. When you say the texture inside of them, that texture, as I said, is highly reminiscent. In fact, it's almost exactly identical to a, a large number of orb photos that have been brought to me, Lisa. Look, one of the things that you don't know about me, and every time I say it on the show, people groan, my specific area of professional expertise is in digital imaging And the analysis of digital images. So this is something that, that this is the one area of expertise I do bring to this topic. And these kind of fit the, the pattern for the, the fairly prototypical lens artifact and dust elements. I don't think, and, and and especially when you say that you weren't seeing something, you just had the camera, you shot and there it showed up. So Mm -hmm. from an investigative point of view, it's not like you heard a sound. You saw something in the air, you took the camera and shot it, and here's what you got. That's not the way it went down.
3: No. From what I'm understanding. Right. Right. But the one on the, I mean, on the attic stairs, I mean, it's the same exact, you know, type of shape and all that. Absolutely. That's not near really a window or anything where it would have been.
0: No, 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 no.
2: I, I don't think you're understanding. The camera has it on top of the stairs, but to the left is a door with a window that has a very significant amount of light. Coming mm-hmm. in, in fact, there's so much light coming in that on the exposure, it appears basically as pure white. Which, by the way, photographically is what you never want. You never want pure white. You always work to to make sure that that doesn't happen. Like in professional photography, the entity captured in kitchen door uh, doorway during the daytime, it's the exact same thing. And I and I'll further qualify this. In both of these photos, the object is pretty much the exact same size the exact same shape to me indicating that it is a lens-generated artifact as I said this is something I've been I've been given literally hundreds of photos of these things to look at and in, in all of the cases that I've looked at I can pretty much unequivocally point to this being the source of these images, that it is in fact a lens flare artifact. As I said, taken, yeah, Well, if it was ahead.
3: taken with two different cameras though, and the same thing has shown up, because we had one camera that was just, you know, develop your phone. I think it was a disposable even maybe we were using. Okay, but you,
1: and you then still have, have lens flare artifacts. Let me just tell you, we're about to do our break for the hour. We're talking to Lisa Lindley. We're talking about the hauntings in two homes in which she and her family lived, and we're now dissecting these photos, which appear not to be related to those experiences. We'll cover it on the other side of the Paracast.
0: We want to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com That's news at theparacast.com And don't forget to visit our forums where you can talk to fellow listeners and Gene and David. Just go to theparacast.com and click on the forum links. That's the forum links at theparacast.com.
2: Welcome back to The Paracast with Gene Steinberg and David Yettinger. Lisa
1: Lindley joining us on the PowerCast this week. She's author of four books that recount the experiences involving herself and her family, calling herself a haunted survivor of a demonic haunting. Now, do you understand what David's saying so far about the photographs and about the fact that even if it happens in different cameras, it still could be lens flares and other visual artifacts?
3: It could be, but just based on what I know from our family's experience. I cannot say I totally believe that because, you know, it's there's been so much unexplained activity in the house that, to me, it's just a real thing. I mean, everybody can say, you know. Yes, I but we can separate or, yeah. the two. We're not right. saying
1: that what happened to you is not real. We're saying that images you captured with two cameras that had no visual counterpart could likely just be photographic artifacts. And understand, David is very well known in the industry. He's a former movie special effects artist also. So if he tells you that this is what they likely are,
2: I would take right. that word. I, I'm, yeah, I'm just separating this from any other experiences you've had. I'll give you another example, just because we're on the topic. Okay. On Photo Gallery 2, there is a photo, stairwell outside of Sun's bedroom where ghostly children have been seen playing. Notice the ghost being at the top of the doorway. Well, that's exactly where I, my trained eye would expect to find a flare artifact. Right above that spot is right above what appears to be. I think it's a either a window or or a door where there's a large amount of light coming in. And this it's is above where,
3: the doorway.
2: Okay. Yeah. So, but right directly below where this, this artifact is, there's a tremendous amount of light streaming in. So these are exactly the places I would expect to find flare artifacts. Let's, so let, all I'm saying is let's separate this. Okay. I'm giving you a professional opinion. It's just my opinion. You can do with it whatever you like. It's just my opinion. I don't think that those photos tell us anything about what you're going through. I don't think they're generated in a paranormal way. I think that they're fairly conventional. So I just want to put those okay. aside for a moment. Oh, that's because, fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, no, the dis- right. The discussion is to try to understand no, what you're going through.
3: Yeah, yeah, no one's ever explained it as a flare artifact. So I guess I'll do some more research on that since right. that's new to me. <laughs> I'll,
2: I will actually send you some useful intel along those lines. You can educate yourself. Cause
3: sure. that's all it's about educating sure. everybody. So, Absolutely. Sure. so let's okay. get back
2: then to firsthand experiences. I think that's in this situation. Yeah. That sounds like it's much more interesting. All right. So let's talk about sounds. Okay, and let's talk Mm -hmm. about also, so far what I'm hearing is that your children are the ones who have had the experiences. Let's talk more about what you and your husband have experienced. Let's go back to the first house for a moment. Okay. Okay. So we know that your children have had experiences in that home. What about you and your husband? What can you tell us about specific experiences you've had of visual or auditorial phenomena?
3: I would say mine, in addition to those two, would be, if you want to call it like, I don't want to call it extra sensory perception. It's just like where you can feel, you know, something's in the room. Your hair is standing up very, very sensitive to the surroundings. I forgot, I forgot what the term is I sometimes use for, um, just being ultra sensitive. That's a good way to put it. Um, with me personally, even from the time we looked at the house, and I know I had someone ask me this, you know, about a week ago, they said, why would you buy a house if you had a bad feeling from the time you walked into it? Well, you know, I just thought maybe it was the way the house looked it needed work but it, I could feel it you know I just felt I could feel just the house reeking of death and just something that shouldn't have been there you knew you weren't alone. I've had a lot of things where I've actually, in the first house I would see things out of the corner of my eye. I actually saw a full-fledged apparition and color of someone that looked at me. I looked at it, and it disappeared. Mine was more of feeling impressions of something being there. I could actually kind of sense it. Never really saw anything, you know, standing over my daughter's bed in that house or anything strange, but she was the one, you know, that was getting all that. Now, my husband didn't really have a lot of experiences in the first house at all. I mean, the second one, he had some on a backpack that looked like they had been brushed. It was sitting on the chair. He thought he caught something out of the corner of his eye in the middle of the day, and then the backpack straps were swinging back and forth. Nothing serious had ever happened to him before 2007 when we left our house, when it got very real at that point in time. But it was always for us, you know, with him, he would see how we were acting, how nervous we were, or how my daughter would say, Dad, this has happened to me. I actually saw one entity standing over her bed At night, we had a red-hooded figure that was standing over her bed at 2 in the morning that I saw one night when I went upstairs and looked at it. It looked at me, and it disappeared. That was one of the first times in the second house I had actually physically seen something like that, but the rest of it was targeting my daughter.
2: Tell us about that experience, please. Give us some more details.
3: When I had seen what I saw, Yeah, the, the footage the, figure?
2: Yeah,
0: yeah.
3: Okay. Um, well, I had woken up. Typically, we never have a solid night of sleep in this house anyway. And I had woken up and needed to use the restroom, which is on the second floor because we're renovating. Went up the steps. And as most parents would do, you take a peek in your kid's bedroom. And all three of the bedrooms are upstairs um, where the kids typically stay. And looked in her room and wasn't looking for anything. I was half asleep. Looked over and I saw this hooded figure, it was life-size, standing over her bed. And the best way to describe what it looked like, it kind of looked like, and someone had suggested, did it look like this? And I'm like, yeah, it's the best way to say it. It's like in the Star Wars movies, I hate to say that, the Emperor would wear, you know, like a long cape kind of thing. They had this hood that came over. It was all attached. Mm-hmm. And I didn't see the face of this thing. It was just so far down, you couldn't see any face, nothing at all, but it was so far down. But it was standing, I mean, hovering over her bed. It was standing there, but like bent over. And it was just staring at her. And I thought, first of all, did I just see that? Because you're trying to think in a house like this, you don't want to look for, for trouble. Definitely you don't, because how could you stay here if you were trying to make this work? And I knew at the same time I had seen it. And I looked away thinking, okay, did I just see that? And I looked back and it had disappeared but the very next day I I asked my daughter the whole day long I'm thinking do I ask her do I not ask her and I had to know I said how did she sleep last night and I didn't want to come out and say hey guess what I saw in your room because she would never sleep in there again and she said why and her eyes got really big I said I just was wondering I need to know and she said Well, she said, I had a terrible night of sleep. My my room was very cold, and I had dreams I was being chased. She said, it was horrible. It's having nightmares. And she said, why? And I told her what I had seen and it was just confirmation between us. We were not going to anybody, telling anybody what we had seen except for my husband. And for me, that was the turning point. It was starting to get bad at this point because prior to that, she had gotten thrown across the room into her dresser. I mean, like weeks before, but it wasn't all at one time. It was like there was a gradual build of negativity and then it just led up to the night we actually left our house. I mean, we were, we were never going to leave. I mean, these things were going on, but in a way when you know you're kind of stuck where you're at, I mean, how many people seriously, and this is where Hollywood comes in, you know, you see these movies where people pack it up, they leave, they never come back to get their possessions. They mysteriously have like all this money sitting in the bank that they can just go to a new place, never to be seen again and leave everything for the next family. Well, we're in this renovating project. We're, you know, very tight on money and, you know, we didn't really have anywhere to go on a permanent basis. You know, can you just pick up and leave? I mean, the house was paid for, but all this stuff was going on. And so Mm -hmm. that's not reality in our family's life. So that's why we've had to stay. We're trying to make new arrangements to maybe, you know, do something else. But that wasn't real, you know, at that point. And um, that's kind of why we were staying there. But, you know, things like this, they're manifesting as red or black hooded figures. And this is kind of what we've had the whole entire time since we've come back to the house. But it was just building at that point. And um, my husband has not seen these, but he knows they're here. I mean, we we know what's going on here at the house. And I, I tell people when I get frustrated, like friends, not, you know, media people, but, you know, if people would just, you know, follow us for a week. They would see what we go through on a nightly basis. I think most people would say there's no way. How does your family do this? We're, you know, trying to cope to the best of our ability, but you know, you can't just pick up and move and just run away from this. It doesn't Mm -hmm. work.
2: When you came up the stairs to go to the bathroom, it was nighttime, correct?
3: It was, yeah, it was about two in the morning.
2: The bedroom is sort of down the hall, and you you came up the stairs looking at the bedroom. Was that in front of you, or was it on the turn?
3: Um, actually, when the, we have an old staircase that has two landings, there's 17 steps that go up. You go up about four steps, there's a landing, then it goes up, you know, so many more, and then it turns and mm-hmm. comes up. And at the very top of the stairwell, if you look straight ahead, the bathroom is, is there. But my daughter's bedroom was immediately to the right of the last step. Like when you stepped okay. up there it was. And then my son's room is at the opposite. There's like a little area up there that goes into some other rooms. It's kind of nicely set up, but her room was immediately to the right of the steps.
0: Okay. When
2: you saw this at the foot of her bed, I'm, I'm taking looking at her. So you're looking at it from the side, right?
3: Right. Yeah. I, her bed was positioned in a way where this figure was kind of between the side and the end of the bed, but it, it was there. I mean, it was standing right there.
2: Was it fully opaque or was it semi-translucent?
3: No, no, it was like totally opaque. I mean, the color, it was, it was red. I mean, it wasn't black. It was red and it was just, it was standing. I mean, as plain as day. That's a good analogy. You know, when people say as plain as day, that's exactly how it was.
2: Did you notice that it extended all the way down to the floor? You said it was hovering. Does
3: well, that mean I meant hovering, leaning, yeah. leaning over. It was, you know, if you're like a parent looking over at your child, but it's just, I think, the way that it was draped. Like, it was a floor length cape. You know, I couldn't see the feet of the thing because the bed was blocking. But it was full size. I mean, it was like human size. I, I wasn't really trying to take measurements, you know, in my mind's eye when I saw this. I just looked and right. it yeah. normally size, you know, but it was very real. I mean, it was, like I said, as plain as day, it was standing there and it was, but it looked like it was kind of bent over. It wasn't standing straight at attention. It was standing over her.
2: When you say it was red, you could see folds in the cloth.
3: I could see, yeah. It looked like a normal, you know, like a cape-like thing that you would wear, you know, for something. I mean, yeah, that's what it looked like. It wasn't like a solid thing where there was no definition to it. Is that? I guess what I'm,
2: yeah. What I'm asking, I guess, in order to understand how, you know, how you were able to discern the red, because I'm, I'm trying to picture this in my mind. And so you've got well, her light was
3: on in her room. Yeah, my kids had never slept uh, with the lights out. This uh, okay. our electric bill. That's why it's so high. I mean, I'm sorry. I didn't put it that way, but when you live in <laughs> a right. house like this, I mean, my son rarely ever sleeps in his room. My daughter, who's 14, I mean, she's brave enough and we're getting like a spiritual foundation where we know to call on God for help when we need it. But she's, she was sleeping in her room. This was before we actually left and, and things got really bad. But yeah, the light was on. I mean, it was like a lamp, I see. you know, we always oh, have okay. bright lights. Yeah, I didn't say that. I'm sorry. It was kind of, Three a little bit there, but that's yeah, how I yeah. could tell. I mean, the light, lights are always on in the bathroom at night, the kids' bedroom lights, it looks like daytime in our house at night. That's a good way to put it. So that's why mm-hmm. I knew. All right. Good point. Uh, Thanks for bringing that up.
2: <laughs> no, I think that's really important because then, uh, you know, I just sort of trying to piece this together. So yeah. you, you see this and then you mm-hmm. look the way, but right. then you look back and it was gone.
3: It had disappeared, yes. It was almost like it had known that I had seen it. It I think I remember, you know, it kind of looking, you know, over at me, sort of. And then it just, it knew that I knew it was there, obviously, because it wouldn't want someone to, you know, when when something knows it's been seen, I guess it, you know, it disappears or something that, you know, someone was there that shouldn't have been there, which was me. But, you know, I think it knew I was, I was standing there, so... There you go. It disappeared.
1: Brain Tonic, the smart antidote to head fog, the world's first organic botanical-based caffeine-free think drink designed for mental focus and clarity. Tastes great, super safe, With no caffeine crash. Just great fuel for your cranium. No chemical preservatives, no sugar, no fake anything. Check it out at www.maxsales.com slash tonic. That's spelled with a T-O-N-I-Q. That's www.maxsales.com slash tonic. Again, the spelling T-O-N-I-Q. Check it out today.
0: Entered another dimension. You've entered the paracast.
1: talking to Lisa Lindley, author of four books recounting the hauntings of two of the homes in which she's lived. Now, these entities, as you've seen, that your daughter has seen, whatever, have they ever said anything, made noises or anything of that nature?
3: Yes, they have verbally spoken. And this is where it gets very strange that people are like, "What are you having conversations with these things in your house? But, you know, the events that led up to the night we left, very threatening comments were being made I mean from these demons and my daughter she can hear things and see things and they know it. And I think that's why they go after the weakest link to get noticed. If they know that someone can have a connection with them, they're gonna go after that because it's their conduit. And the more that you I guess let yourself be open to this, the more things are going to happen, obviously, which is a bad thing. You know, she doesn't ask for this. It just kind of happens. I mean she's been followed um you know to school. I mean things have happened that are just people just don't understand. Wait a minute
1: follows to school By people or by entities?
3: No, these these entities have actually followed her to school. They have followed us to other locations that are not Anywhere near here, it's the, you know, the night we left our house, I I have to talk about this because this is where it gets very real. What happened and how we knew this was demonic in nature. What happened, if you're okay with this, because this is like totally important to our story. On August, yeah, August 11th, 2007, we're minding our business. We go over to someone's house and we come back and it's late at night. We get home. My daughter, comes in the foyer in our house we come through the back door we get in the in the foyer area we come in and she says mom there's a man standing on the stairwell looking at you and I'm holding my youngest daughter and I'm thinking, okay, this is not very comforting because we had left the lights off and the upstairs of the house before we left. I'm like, Oh, this is great. So I said, don't tell dad, you know, let's just get ready for bed and do what we need to do. Well, I let the dog out and I was having a very bad feeling. I mean, I even did when we were four miles from the house, you know, the four mile marker to where we live was up. And I thought, I don't want to say anything about how uneasy I'm, I'm feeling maybe it's just me. We were kind of talking about things at our friend's house, and and that's probably why. Well, when I let the dog out, I came back in, and she said, Mom, it spoke. And I said, what do you mean it spoke? Because up to this point, you know, things had been appearing, things had been happening, but nothing was getting interactive. And that's the perfect term I like to use. It wasn't, you know, making itself known and we weren't hearing it. And I, I said, what is it saying? And she said, Mom, it said, I know you can see me, you SOB. Why don't you just admit it? okay this man is in a trench coat and a hat or this entity whatever you want to call it it's now cursing it's saying I know you can see me games up and I went Oh my god I said do not tell dad and I'm thinking how am I going to get up those steps to get into the bathroom because I'm scared the lights are out you know I said don't tell dad he came in he said what's wrong I said nothing I just try to avoid it because I didn't want to start a confrontation argument about you know what is going on in the house and then we went up to try to get ready for bed and I said what exactly did you see again what exactly did you hear and all of a sudden she started hearing these voices and they were you know cursing and saying all these terrible things and so I start talking to the wall like anybody probably would in this situation you said, or I said, you know, what do you want? Who are you? You're not welcome here. You need to leave. You know, you try the obvious, you know, get out of here. This is my house, kind of thing. And it said, tell your sob mom, I don't have to go anywhere. And I thought. Okay, this is getting a little bit dangerous now. Something is being very interactive. It doesn't like us. And this is after she had already been thrown across the room into furniture months before. So it was like a build like now it's making itself, you know, very, very known. My my husband finally got it out of me, he said, What's going on? I was in the kitchen away from the kids and um and I told them what happened and it would just started a whole, you know, series of events for the next 48 hours where my daughter, who was 13, was hearing this thing cursing at her, saying that she needed to get out of the house. We needed to leave. We weren't welcome here. You know, this was our house. It was saying she needed to cut herself with a knife. I mean, it was getting really, really strange. You know, we got the Bible out. I'm like, what do we do? We were so lost. We had no spiritual of anything. You know, we didn't practice as a family. So what did they do in the movies? They get the Bible out. They start trying to read. i like, pick that one. That looks good. <laughs> you know, just whatever we thought would work. And so um, it didn't work, obviously. And she's, you know, curling up on a ball on our bed and crying just hysterically. You know, Mom, we need to leave. We need to get out of here. Um, it was a really, really bad thing. So the next day, after going through this for an entire night, I start trying to call a few people that I trusted for help. And the one guy I tried to call, you know, he wasn't even there. He was out of town. And I asked his wife, I said, do you know when he's coming back and as soon as I said you know when he's coming back this is very urgent the phone line went completely dead and my daughter was my older daughter was outside sitting on the porch because someone else I had talked to said get her out of the house have her sitting outside and I'm like okay I don't want to talk about this in front of her she comes in the house and she says to me she says mom this thing is saying it wants to know who this Todd guy is you're trying to call okay it's getting very interactive at this point you know this thing is knowing only things that someone in the house would know and then I tried to call this elderly woman that I trusted that had come out here one time she's kind of an intuitive kind of person and talked to her and then my daughter says again to me a little bit later it wants to know who this old hag is that you're trying to call okay I'm getting a little freaked out now because
1: I want to just drop something in the middle of this okay. which is, now all these encounters you describe beings largely human like beings did you see a face on them or just hooded shrouded figures
3: i had just seen when when i had seen what i you know that one night i did not see a face on it my daughters actually seen their faces and you know like i said that's not what i saw i mean i'm only saying what i saw was just you know the hood and the figure form you know but at this point when this was going on we were not seeing anything she was just hearing voices she was just hearing these things being threatening to her and and you know and then you know i started talking to the walls you know trying to have this i shouldn't have done that but i started saying you know what do you want why are you attacking her what's going on and then she would you know say back to me what she was hearing you know you didn't hear
1: what this well, No, I didn't was hear it,
3: but she was hearing it. And you could tell that what she was repeating back, it was very broken. It was like you could tell this language wasn't from here. That's the best way to put it. And, you know, then my husband left for a while, and he came back with my son. He had taken him out fishing for a little bit to try to get him away from what was happening. He didn't really understand what it was. And when he had come back, he said, you know, that he had seen something staring at him. Out of the upstairs windows of the house. He had seen something uh, looking at him out of the upstairs windows of the house. And I'm not feeling really good about this at this point. So, okay, he, now husband,
1: let me go beyond that a little bit here. Okay. okay, sorry. Okay, but okay, so we have this speech. Now, you didn't hear them saying anything. No. It's always been translated to you or transferred courtesy of your daughter, for example. Right. She's I the one who not- hears it.
3: Right. And I know it sounds really, really strange, but until you see firsthand when this attack is in full mode, I mean, it might, she would have no reason to be doing this. And, you know, it just, it was just the most oddest thing I, we have ever experienced. And, you know, when you're, when you would say, you know, well, what is it saying? Or my husband would ask a question, you know, he got into this interrogating mode. You know, she'd say, Dad, hold on a minute. It's You know, she could hear what it was saying. And it was probably a bunch of lies that we were given. But, you know, I, it's just that's kind of how it is. It's kind of like you can just, just dialogue. It's terrible. I know it's a scary thing to say that, but it's true What how this happens.
1: I'm going to ask and, you a couple of side yeah. questions here. Okay. And that is, number one, ever see a strange animal. Did anyone in your family ever see a strange animal in connection with any of this?
3: I don't think so. Okay. I don't think we've seen strange animals at all, nothing, you know, nothing that would look at it. We've seen strange beings or entities or figures, like my daughter will tell you what she has seen, but nothing like that.
0: Lights
1: in the sky, UFOs, anything like that?
3: No, nothing. nothing. I'm not familiar with UFOs a whole lot, but no, nothing like that.
2: <laughs> okay. Lisa, I have a question for you. Does your daughter have close friends?
3: She has a few but to be honest with you we have always told her if something happens to keep it at the house i mean she's on occasion maybe mentioned something but during this time that we were going through this it was not i mean something i wanted her talking to anybody about we wanted to keep this strictly at home because it was getting very very strange
2: how strict were you with her about not talking to other people about it
3: well it's very interesting yeah. yeah, I mean at the point, at this point that this activity was happening, she wasn't talking to anybody because she was going through such an ordeal with crying and with, you know, just being tormented basically. I mean, she wasn't talking to anyone. I mean, we weren't really either except the very few people that we trusted. So I know how teenage girls are and they can say, hey, guess what? This and this. But you know, the weirder it gets, the less you want people knowing about I guess what's happening to you, I mean, I know I'm going on a limb talking about this with us, but you know, with kids it's a totally different type of situation and everybody always has an opinion about what they think things are, you know, so we were pretty firm about please don't, you know, go and talk about this with your girlfriends or with parents, other people. We just, we're not very, um we didn't want her doing that
1: okay you're not very religious i gather
3: well we do have a very strong faith now and that was the thing i was trying to get to before like we didn't really have a strong faith at that point in time it was in the works if you want to put it that way but um what happened to us the night we left was very very serious when we had actually left the house we had come home we had left and we had come back after my husband had taken my son out for a little while and he interrogated this thing. I mean, it was really bad. And we had come back and um my daughter said, Mom, they're standing on the stairwell and this was around five fifteen in the evening and I said What do you mean? They're standing on the stairwell. I mean, I could feel something was incredibly wrong. The tensions were very, very high, if you can only imagine. And she said, they're standing there. There's seven in red standing here. And they said to her, we've been expecting you. Your family better leave or you're going to pay the price and die. I mean, it was getting serious. And I looked at my husband at that very moment after going through this for 48 hours and I said, I can't understand what's going on. I said, I'm not staying here tonight. If you want to be brave and you think you can deal with us, you can stay here. We're going. We're going to my mom's house. So we actually went into detachment mode, which I call it because my brain was being turned inside out. I couldn't understand this. Packed it up, left, and then the entire way to my mom and dad's house, she was hearing the voices in the car. They were chanting some foreign language, all this kind of thing, and and saying some really just horrendously awful stuff. Got to my parents' house. My husband actually went to a Catholic priest to try to get some help. Was I was like going
1: Catholic. to ask about that,
3: yes. Yeah, he went to a Catholic priest, and there was some semi-retired priest, I guess, on duty. The guy thought, obviously, we needed a psychological evaluation. We needed more evidence. My husband said, you know, I guess something to the fact that we've been going through this at two houses for five years. Our daughter's being attacked. I don't understand what's going on. The guy pretty much turned us away, didn't offer to pray for our family. My husband went looking for help. My mom's in the meantime trying to hold the fort down, trying to make sense of this. I'm crying, I don't get it. Later that night we try to go to bed. My daughter came into the room where we were sleeping and she said, Dad, I'm hearing the voices again. And he said, What are they saying? She said, They're saying I'm going to become one of them tonight and they're still chanting, doing this thing. And if my husband pulled her into the bed where we were sitting, and he said he remembered hearing a story from a guy that had died and come back and he must have done some really awful things in his life because he wasn't going to a very good place. He said he remembered being scratched and clawed at and all of this, and he prayed the Lord's Prayer, and my husband said that's the only thing he could think to do, and he said by the third time he prayed it, he remembered, I mean, it's very vivid, my husband's not a very emotional guy, and he cries every time he talks about this, but he said he felt the most overwhelming feeling of peace and security, and he said, I know it was God. I know it was Jesus. It was someone, you know, because I know he was rescuing us at our most desperate moment and the it was like he said these things just went running as soon as they you know knew that something was on the way And it was amazing. And my daughter said, I'm not hearing them anymore. I mean, permanently on a permanent basis. Yes, we're still dealing with this. But my husband was the hardest person to reach out of this. And he got to see what the demonic thing was. He got to see what the opposite is with the rescuing that we got that night. I mean, it was very powerful. But the the point that's really important to make, and I didn't know anything about this. My friend went to church, and she had this her Bible. And in the chapter of Matthew, and the 13th chapter, it talks about demons. And it had said, if one cannot find rest, it will bring seven in its place more wicked than itself. And that night my husband pulled me into a room, you know, at my parents away from everybody else and he said, I think I know what's going on. I said, What? Because I'm I'm just crying and upset and all this and he said I think we made it mad when he started drilling this thing in our house in our dining room and he said I think it brought back reinforcements that was his exact terminology and I mean yeah that scared me something terrible because what do you mean reinforcements and he said I think we made it mad and it brought back more to try to do whatever it is its goal was and when my friend showed me this in the Bible I was like oh my gosh you know it was like It totally was too real. I couldn't dismiss that demons were real at that point. I mean, Hollywood has us thinking that, you know, it's this and this and that. And there's all these stories about, you know, people that have fled their homes. But, you know, my daughter is a really good kid with a level head on. And, you know, there is no reason she would have had to make this up. And if, you know, Hollywood would have seen her going through what she did, she would have gotten an Academy Award. But she wasn't. And I had a friend that talked to her also. And she said later, I would have never totally believed everything. she said I can know that you've called me from the beginning when this started, but when I heard the terror in your daughter's voice and really could feel how scared she was, I really knew at that moment it was real
2: In a world. Conventions are completely, utterly
0: boring. Come, something new from a whole bunch of people who are trying to do something new. The Culture of Contact 2008
2: UFO Festival. It
0: is reality.
2: is David Bassett,
0: David Vietney, Dr. William J. Burns, David Hatcher Childress, <laughs> Patricia Corbett, Richard Dolan, Bob Hopkins, Dylan Blodno, <gasps> Michael May. Melissa Reed, Jeff
2: Ritzman, Giorgio sukos Jeremy Veining, and
0: Farrier Duzo. Special presentations by Combustion Motor Corporation, Masahiro Kata. and the world premiere of The Silent But Deadly Truth Pollution of Truth. For more information and to order tickets, please visit
2: www.culturecontact.com. <laughs> Once again, that's www.countryofcontact.com. Card subject to change. You could be screwed financially. Probably not, though.
0: Hi, this is Bud Hopkins, and you're listening to the PowerCast with Gene Steinberg, David Jedney, and I completely enthusiastically endorse this program. It's an absolutely great program with an opportunity to stretch out and talk.
1: We're talking to Lisa Lindley. She's author of four books recounting the encounters of her family in two different homes with demonic entities of some sort. Now, let me ask you today. Mm-hmm. Two thousand eight. What's happening here and now?
3: What is happening now is nothing short of pure evil at its worst is the best way to put it. Um my husband and I have both said when you're very close to evil you feel like you want to throw up and that's kinda when I know an attack is coming on because I can sense it and my daughter can pretty quickly. But it's kind of been I guess going more toward me because my daughter has such a strong belief now in reality of what you know we've been through and what we know and how you know prayer really helps and I'm not totally where my husband is on the bravery level with this whole thing. But it's been going after me. I guess they're focusing on me and maybe because I'm talking about it, I'm giving it recognition and it likes that. But I've actually had situations where I'll wake up, you know, really late into the night. And one night, someone tried to explain this to me in their terminology. They thought it was something with, you know, temporary paralysis or something. They call it where you can't move. It was like I sensed something very dark was in our bedroom. I remember hearing or sensing the this- thing saying that it was going to scratch and claw me. It was going to hurt me. And I remember trying to call out in my sleep, if you want to call it that, you know, praying, trying to pray this thing out, my reflex, you know, what I would do. Nothing was coming out of my mouth. It was like no sound. I could feel myself trying to do this. And someone said, that's, you know it's something called temporary paralysis or something where Sweet these things are trying to like that. yeah yes. i don't know exactly and whether that's true or not i just know that something was going after me i mean i've i've had a lot of situations like that where they're more direct the other night too i did you have experiences
1: though when you were awake not when yeah you were
3: well this is what i was going to tell you because i didn't tell my husband this yet because i'm trying to work through this on my own but he really thinks that we have to be the ones to try to deal with this because it's apparently attached to our family but I I opened one of the doors. At night often I leave the doors shut in the rooms we're not using and I had seen one of these black headed figures near our attic stairs just about four nights ago. And that just really, you know, put me on edge. But that was about it. It was just something that I had seen. It wasn't, you know, interacting with me or anything like that. But you know, it just, it happens at different times. You can't always predict, you can't call this out. I mean, why would you do that anyway? But you can't predict when something's going to happen. You can be minding your own business, you know, doing your laundry or talking to your spouse or kids are talking about their sports, And then this really bad feeling will come over and an attack will happen. They're very unpredictable when this is going to start.
1: Your daughter seems to be the focal point. She gets most of the
3: action. Well, I think we're all kind of a target, but the fact that she can hear and see them I think that if they want to be noticed, they will go toward her initially. I really think that, and, and I'm sensitive too, so since I'm not as brave as she is, they like to mess with those of us that aren't real brave. <laughs> That's a good way, very honest way to put that.
2: Okay, I'd like to ask a real quick question, Lisa, and I think it's a question that every one of our listeners is wondering about right now. Has your daughter ever undergone formal psychiatric evaluation?
3: No, she has not. Hmm. No, my child is not crazy. Our family is not. It may sound like that to some listeners, but we had a normal life in 2003. And, you know, when we moved into that house, things changed forever. I mean, this sounds like a cliche, I guess, but it did. We had to develop a new way of life. And, you know, people say, well, why didn't you just move? Well, you know, we didn't move because of the haunting. We moved to another house and we've had this far worse than the second home. You know, you can't run from this. You well, can't okay, your hide daughter, from
1: this. does this happen to her at school? You said it followed her to school when she's in class.
3: Right, it, yes, it has happened. Um, last year, right after we came back to the house, we were gone for six days and we came back and it was a Friday and she said that she came home from school. My husband and I were supposed to go somewhere for the weekend, which we ended up going anyway. It was, you know, something activity for our church with the adults. She said, mom, I have to tell you something, but don't freak out. And I thought that's not a good way to start a conversation. <laughs> and she said that she, yeah, she said she was in the gym at school. I don't know what hour it was or what, but she said that she looked up at the ceiling. And the lights in the gym, those things that hang down, you know, those whatever they are, she said that the bulb in like two of them had turned bright red and she was getting a very sick feeling, I mean, throughout the day at school. And the other kids actually saw this and they're like, oh, hey, that's really cool, whatever, you know, like, hey, what's that? And she said she looked up at the bleachers in the back of the school and all seven of these demons were standing there. And she said, they said to her, oh, you didn't think we wouldn't follow you, did you? You know, something threatening, something like that. Okay, the kids saw
1: the light. Did the kids see the demons?
3: No, no. Nobody did but her. Okay, did you talk
1: to the other kids and ask them what they saw?
3: One of her friends said, are you okay? And she tried to blow it off like, I'm fine. Okay,
1: but no, you're saying it in the words of your daughter. What I'm saying is, did you actually contact the kids independently of your daughter to say, what happened, when did it happen? Okay, so basically, we're listening to your daughter's perceptions of what might have happened here. I just wanted to clarify that.
3: If you're asking did I talk to anybody else about that, you know, after mm-hmm. that happened. No, I didn't I mean I was trying not to talk about this with anybody. I called the youth pastor at the church and he was about the only person because it was so close to the time we had actually fled our house and come back and they knew down there what was going on because we live right up the street from there. That was very, very strange. I mean the other kids saw certain things but they didn't see that. But she's even told me, you know, I've seen them in the hallway at school. Sometimes they'll just stand there, they won't say anything. You know, other it's just trying to get her attention apparently. I mean I don't know how to explain it other than that's just how it is. This is how they manifest or what they want. Sometimes we don't know. Um, It just happens.
2: Lisa, I'm a little concerned about the fact that you've not had your daughter undergo a psychiatric evaluation, if for no other reason that she's undergoing severe trauma with this. And certainly, uh, my personal belief is that it would be very useful to find out where her mind's at. I mean, I've known a lot of teenagers in in my life. A lot of my friends have teenagers. And, you know, you can have a kid who's totally normal, totally cool. You know, it's interesting about this topic because when we we, we study things like demonic projections, very often it is pretty consistent from what we know that they seem to focus on, for whatever reason, and no one seems to really know why, teenage girls. There's this thing about this that, that is a recurring theme, but I think that just in terms of being safe, really, and careful, well, it would behoove you, you to, to have a, have her undergo a psychological profile just to really, see what effect this is having on her.
3: I think from meeting the parent and knowing being here firsthand. You know, you don't know till you go through this kind of so, what's happened. She's very strong, my daughter is, and I know a lot of people say there's different stages of things that happen, but I have to clarify, number one, my daughter is not possessed. We do not have the case of a possession of an individual. She is just ultra sensitive, but... We do you have a good faith going that she leans on, but in all honesty, this is not something I feel very safe with with going to a counselor. I mean, my son, yes, we've went through counseling with him before with someone that we trusted, and then they quit doing the practice, and so I haven't felt comfortable enough with our situation to talk to anyone else because the first thing they're, they're going to think is that oh, your family's insane, you need drugs, this and that. This is not what. Oh no, 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 you know, that's
2: not no, Lisa, that's not fair. Uh, I'm sorry, I have to strongly disagree with you on that. Uh, A a truly professional, competent mental health care professional is absolutely not going to make those kinds of assumptions. I'm not sure what experiences you've had with psychological professionals, but they're not going to make that assumption. That, That, to me, sounds like projection. I mean, why would you say that? If you've got a situation, and I'm not trying to tell you how you should. You know, bring up your daughter or anything. I'm not even a parent. Let's qualify that. So parenting is something I know I know zero about, and I'm, I'll be very upfront about that. But I think it's not appropriate for you to assume that you're going to take your daughter to someone who's going to have a predisposed idea of what's going on with her. That's not what psychiatrists and psychologists do at all. Basically, it's their job to try to untangle someone's personality and figure out. What is at the core of what's going on? And something that, you know, there's a consistent thing you're saying here. I personally find very interesting in that a large percentage of this activity is really emanating from her. And let's be very specific about this now in, in, in trying to study these topics. Something that seems fairly consistent, um, is a possibility that we have what we think are paranormal events. And it appears, and I'm not saying that we know this, but it seems like it, it, in, in many of these cases, we have things going on that are not explained under normal circumstances, but do appear to be literally manifestations of psychological projections of people. These seem, seem, seem to be, if you have the mental power to project into an environment and create a visual manifestation, That in and of itself is a rather fascinating thing that there have been, from what we know, a number of cases that are like that, that we can't explain.
3: That's not what this is, though, because all of our family members have had this happen. I mean, when we have an attack, a demonic attack over here, my husband is in the middle of this, I'm in the middle of this, and we find sometimes that you can't pray this out alone. Okay, but there's
1: a demonic attack, though. Does your husband see something? Are things
3: moving? No, not, this is where Hollywood screws this up because, you know, you don't have pictures flying off the walls. You don't have muck coming up out of your toilets and, and things like this happening that they know that people want to see. This is a very interactive kind of thing. I mean, these entities have given names before, w- whether they're wives yes, or not. Yes, but
1: the names are always generated courtesy of your daughter. No one else is talking to this entity but your daughter. No one else is transferring the information. Now, when they speak in this foreign language, do you write it down and try to have someone translate what this foreign language might be?
3: She only had had that happen to her twice when we had left the house. And that part has not happened again, as far as I know with that. But as far as like, you know, going back to your statement about the counseling thing, I just in my own you know, opinion of having went through this, how many people are qualified to deal with, you know, demonic slash paranormal in the counseling field? I haven't met anyone yet that I trust with my most personal information. And with how my many kids. have you
1: actually gone and checked out?
3: We have, well, dealing with my son, there's been three that we have talked to and dealt with, but everyone seems to be surprised, you know, like, how do I help you? What do I do with fear issues? You know? So they try to go the route of just, you know, dealing with a kid with normal fear, but, you know having dealt with this firsthand it just seems really ineffective the things that they're doing so that's why we're trying to lean on what we're comfortable with with prayer and with because we know this is a big spiritual warfare battle the D- angels, demons good versus bad whatever you want to call it no.
2: mm-hmm. lisa see here's the problem on the paracast we don't say that we know a lot we have a lot of questions but we are very, very careful to make statements about what we know and don't know. What I think we're hearing here from you is that in essence, you've come to the conclusion that this is what this is, and it really kind of doesn't matter what anybody else says because you know you have put this in this framework in order to be able to deal with it because it sounds like what's going on is very traumatic. So in order to deal with it, you have used these elements that exist Demons. I mean, you brought up the religious framework for this, which is, again, maybe helping you deal with this. But that is a very separate thing from what might actually be going on. So I think it's very important here. and, And I'm only bringing this up because it sounds like this has been very traumatic for you. And we'd like to understand this. There is something else I have to say, say though. You've brought up more than once or twice this issue of the image Hollywood paints around this, the... The basically that, you know, this or that is generated from Hollywood. I would submit to you that in many cases, what Hollywood does, the people in Hollywood, and I've worked with them, they're not terribly creative, okay? What they often do, that's the reality. What they do is they turn to existing accounts of things, and that's where they draw the visualizations from. So when we talk about, when we ask you about, you know, were things moving around, there is some very strong evidence out there of these kinds of situations where things have been captured on video and film, moving around. And again, this has nothing to do with Hollywood. I don't think anybody who listens to this particular show believes that Hollywood in any way is reflective of what reality is about. In fact, that's the exact opposite of what Hollywood is about. But when Hollywood has to now come up with scenarios for these things, very often they will turn to accounts of real accounts of things that people say have, you know, things that really happened to them. They'll use as the basis for writing their fictional pieces.
1: Fate Magazine is proud to be celebrating its 60th anniversary and its 700th issue. That's 60 years of bringing you true reports of the strange and unknown. Keep up with the latest on angels and miracles, psychic phenomena, ghosts, UFOs, life after death, and much, much more. It's bigger and better than ever. Subscribe now by calling 1-800-728-2730 Or online at www.fatemag.com. That's 1 800 728 2730 or www.fatemag.com. What are you waiting for? Your fate awaits.
2: You're in the Paracast with Gene Steinberg and David Biedney. You never know what's going to happen next.
1: Lisa Lindley joining us, and she's the author of four books recounting the various haunting experiences in two homes and in the vicinity of those two homes. But the point being, of course, that Hollywood is not very original, and for a lot of the movies they've made, they take popular culture, real events, and they fictionalize them, just like the Law & Order TV series is ripped from the headlines. And frankly speaking, you'll see cases on that show that have a very slight factual basis. When, for example, Steven Spielberg did Close Encounters of the Third Kind, he based it on information in a factual
2: book from the late Dr. J. Allen Hynek. Right. So, so the whole point of this, Lisa, is that, you know, it sounds like there's something complex going on. I think I could speak for both Gene and myself and, and tell you that this would be, I think, much more compelling if, for example, when you say there's an attack coming, I think it'd be really great behoove you to set up a video camera and to even capture a view of what's actually going on. I mean, you said before, if somebody came and spent a week with you, you know, they would figure out there's something going on here. Well, and again, not that video evidence is concrete and solid and bulletproof, but again, as I listen to you speak and, and, you know, I'll remind the audience, we're doing this interview without having read your book. Okay. And that's something we typically almost never do. We are very specific about wanting to read the books of our guests to know the, the meat of the, the case or the the situation as it were. So, you know, we're kind of pulling things out of you here without a whole lot of
0: Back framework. <laughs> well, yeah.
2: well, yeah, but, but at the same time in a way that's useful because you know what I think we're both hearing here is that, as I said, you, you know, you know, it's demons and We've had people come on the show and say things, you know, that they've heard voices and, you know, for example, you say that at the same time, you know, about angels and I assume you're talking about biblical angels. I mean, in our perception of what we think
3: angels are, I mean, they're God's helpers basically is what they are and if we're in the middle of an attack where things are not going really well or my husband's trying to pray this out and things are happening, I mean, we call on help. I mean, it's just the thing we do. We mm-hmm. say, God, please right. send us an army of angels to protect us. Send send us help, please. You know, you don't have to have the most eloquent words for prayer to have God hear oh, you. It, oh, no, sure, not at all. No, and it's just what we've seen, but, you know, I guess I don't want to feel like I have to defend myself because I know what has happened to us has been real, and that's the whole point, to really talk about what has happened to maybe educate people on what this is all about. That's the point of doing it. Otherwise, I would—I could just sit back and never talk about it, but I feel like right. a responsibility to do this. People say, how did you know it was demonic? When did you know? Well, August 11th, 2007, you know, these things that were just appearing as normal, maybe apparitions or whatever you'd like to call them, started. getting very interactive. They were violent. They threw my daughter across the room. And then all this started happening. And to me, that's how I knew it had taken a turn for the worse. Okay, we understand evil
1: beings, but we don't know who those evil beings are, okay? Because it's a lot more complicated than that. You can assume based on your religious beliefs and or expectations they're demonic. These are the devils. You have God, angels, the devil, etc. We can assume that. And that's an assumption you're
2: making. You don't know what they are, and we're we're not saying we know either. And all we're pointing out here is that people come to their own conclusions based on their brains, their minds, their souls. And that's how people right. figure stuff out, right? You know, when you say there's a battle going on between good and evil, well, I could turn around to you and say, hmm, what's good and what's evil? You know, if if you have a cow and the human comes to kill that cow to eat it, as far as the cow is concerned, you're absolutely evil. You're ending its life you're killing it to consume it. I mean, that it's all a point of view. Yeah,
3: well, to, to better explain it, I mean, if you want to take the biblical approach, which is kind of how we've understood this, we did a couple of studies on what this was, and we understand more. You know, in the beginning of the Bible, I guess, I'm not versed on every single scripture. This the
2: Old Testament. Uh, you were talking about the Old Yeah, at the, the, the very Testament,
3: beginning right? where it talks about the overthrow of Satan, when God basically kicked him out. There's, you know, he was a high angel. He was high up next to God. He was most high. He was beautiful. There's a chapter in Ezekiel where talks about the fall of satan basically that he thought he was more than god was he wanted to be it and so he kicked him out okay basically He's a fallen angel, demons are fallen angels. that's what it says in the Bible, and so I know that much. I'm not versed on everything, but they hate humankind. they hate man, <laughs> you know they do. I mean, if God is giving man free will and all this, and you know it's he's giving it all to them, yeah, they're probably mad, so they're you know forever burning and you know it's just yes, how but it how goes.
1: do you assume those devils in the Bible, the devil and his minions in the Bible are responsible for these particular encounters, even though they're nasty, I mean. We have criminals in our own society who rob and pillage, but they're not strictly demons. They may certainly be evil.
3: Well, I I think just based on what my belief system is at this point in time in my life where I'm at, that's all I believe in right now. I mean, I will come out and say that, you know, I believe there are angels and I believe there are fallen angels, which are the demons because of, I guess, what the Bible is telling me, you know, about the truth about what this is. It's a big battle. I just think that's what we're dealing with right now. You know, I think we are dealing with with true demons. There's no ghosts. There's no in-between stuff. There's no, it's black or white. It's not gray. It's just based on my perception of what my family's been through. I can't say someone down the street may have been through a different kind of situation because maybe they have, but just our family's belief system, we know what we're dealing with. And, you know, I would probably not take a video camera up to when you were talking about you should maybe try to video this. Mm-hmm. When this is happening to our family and we're in a full-fledged trying to fight this off attack, That's not something that is going to be productive for our family, I don't think, and it's not for everybody else to view. I I think we're just trying to deal with this in the best way that we know how. I don't know how that would actually, you know, help us. It might somebody else, but it's not supposed to be like a public display thing of, oh, check out this video we got or, you know, whatever. It's like this is serious, dangerous Stuff that our family is dealing with. And we are trying to get some resolution. I mean, we're not sitting in this house saying we're never going to get out of this. I mean, you know, you can't be blind and say if I move to a third house that this isn't gonna follow me, but we're not sitting here just having a great time with us and trying to profit off our family's distress because we're not. I mean, we've been approached to do other things and we're not doing that. I mean, we just want to tell people, you know, based on what our family's been through, this is very real. This can be dangerous. Don't turn it invited in. We didn't, it just happens. But there's a higher purpose, I think, for things that happen to people. And if you can say something good happened to your family out of an otherwise tense situation, that's a good thing. And it brought our family closer together. I mean, we this would have ripped most families to pieces, you know, and it's actually brought us together, which is a great thing. I'll tell you you what, let's leave
1: it right at that point. Okay. 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 Okay, so Lisa Lindley, a mother of three, a haunted survivor, written four books. You have a website that we've pointed to at powercasts.com so that when they click on your name, they can check out your website, check out your books, get more information. Now, from here, do you plan to do... Anything else with regard to this particular situation to make public appearances about? What do you plan to do?
3: With our family situation, I mean, my main focus right now is just to talk to people with whatever opportunities I can to let them know the truth. So if someone invites me to do something, I may. But this isn't about, you know, profiting our family. I have to say that. I I never wrote to do that. That's why I did self-publishing. So I didn't have to have someone else approve what I was doing and wait five years to get the message out there. But we just really want to help people and i don't have plans to write another book i mean if that comes up then great but just because i wrote it's not like i'm trying to do something really big and out there with it it's just a good avenue to reach people you know we just really want to let people know our side, you know what's out there the truth about it. I just think people they really don't understand. The more you talk to people, I guess that they don't, but we're just trying to do the best that we can with, you know, what we have to work with right now in our life.
1: Okay, thank you so much, Lisa Lindley, for joining us this week on the Powercast. Brain Tonic The smart antidote to head fog, the world's first organic botanical-based caffeine-free think drink designed for mental focus and clarity. Tastes great, super safe, with no caffeine crash. Just great fuel for your cranium. No chemical preservatives, no sugar, no fake anything. Check it out at www.maxsales.com slash tonic. That's spelled with a T-O-N-I-Q. That's www.maxsales.com slash tonic, again, the spelling T-O-N-I-Q. Check it out today.
0: This is Leslie Kane, and I'm with the Coalition for Freedom of Information, and you are listening to The Paracast with Gene Steinberg and David Biedney.
1: On a positive note, she seems very sincere, very earnest, mm-hmm. definitely honest in trying to convey what's happened to her and her family. Yeah, But as usual, I think we made very clear what kind of questions we had, and a lot of it focuses on her daughter. They've had auxiliary encounters, other experiences, but a lot of that seemed to be related to dreaming. Not dreaming, waking up out of sleep to something going on. And okay. you don't know how much of that is part of the dream experience, part of an objective reality. But in the case of the daughter, certainly I would not hesitate if I
2: had a child with a problem like that
1: in having that child very carefully examined to see what's going on.
2: Yeah, and again, she sounds like a very nice lady. As someone who's not a parent, I'm not going to make any statements about parenting. If someone close to me was having these extreme kind of experiences, I would probably recommend some kind of a psychological workup. It sounds like her daughter's being very heavily traumatized by whatever is going on, and so you'd want to provide some help for that. And this is my own prejudice, and I get to this all the time with my lovely girlfriend. I mean, she's going to listen to this and be fascinated by it, but I bring to this my own concerns about The religious lens. And I think those concerns are well founded, Gene. When we have someone saying, you know, there's a battle going on and this is what it is, it's like, eesh. On the Paracast, we have been very, very careful, I think, to try to be relatively open minded about all these topics. I mean, you know, obviously we talk more about UFOs than anything and we've caught heat for not subscribing to one theory versus the other. I mean, the idea that maybe what's going on is much more complex than any one explanation. I think that's probably very true for what Lisa was just describing to us. This whole idea of good versus evil, it's very easy to understand. It is truly the most long-standing archetype I suspect we have as a culture. It's how we seem to define everything. It's a very binary point of view. I think that when you start to really analyze that, what you come up with is that it is a world full of shades of gray, that things are not just black and white. And that black and white thinking, while very uh, useful to some people, I don't suspect in the end it's very productive in in terms of trying to understand the complexities of our reality. Well, I think in her case, it's a comfort
1: level. It's a crutch. I think in this case, we have a troubled family that's trying to find an answer to what's happening for them. They found it in their religion. They're saying, okay, it's yeah. the demons that are attacking us because they say nasty things that only the daughter conveys to them. I mean, well, if she right. sees things, those things do not say to her, Lisa, etc., etc. They don't speak to her. They only speak to the daughter and what they say is not pleasant. So that's where she gets the impression, I think, that there's demonic
2: forces involved. Well, at the same time, I can tell you that some of the private discussions I've had with Jeff Ritzman sometimes veer off in this direction as well. I've had a lot of discussions with my lovely girlfriend Susan about this topic as well. I'm not willing to discount this necessarily. At the same time, I'm always concerned when I hear people who turn to the Bible as a source of comfort and as a reference, you know, this idea that angels are, that God sends angels to you to help you. It's like, no, no, actually, from my understanding of the Bible, and I'm not a, biblical scholar, and I'm certainly more than open to hearing somebody set me straight on this, but from what I understand, when God sends an angel to you, you are not a happy person. When God sends an angel, angels get sent to earth to basically draw blood for God, which of course makes me think if there's a God that wants an angel to draw human blood for it, that gives me a good reason to question the human interpretation of what God is. What well, I'm worried about in this, this particular <laughs> case,
1: though, that this apparently is their comfort, but it hasn't ended the events. They just simply believe this is the cause, and they use their personal belief and faith to help them cope with it, but it hasn't ended anything. The only thing that's really ending right now is this show, this episode, and we'll have to explore this on future episodes of The PowerCast. The PowerCast, with Gene Steinberg
0: and David Biedney is a production of Making the Impossible Incorporated. Join us next week for a new adventure in The PowerCast.